Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number seven of Grow the Buck Up. And it's the third video in the financial series, Gain the Most Joy Per Buck. So this kind of plays off of last week, where we talked about uh, $1 being equal to $1. One of my favorite topics. I love it because it's so simple and stupid and yet it makes so much sense and it's one of the the topics where you just sit there and when you when you whenever you come back and look at it you go wow i didn't even think about that i didn't realize how much tactics tactics like anchoring or decoy pricing model or any of those things actually affect me and actually affect how much money i'm spending without even realizing it So we walked through various examples of spending money, right? We talked about maybe buying a $200,000 house and maybe spending $10,000 more there, buying a $200 dinner, and then going home, going to the grocery store, and saving $5 on that six-pack of Coke. Anything along those lines, right? Anything that's just... When you, when you get to the tiny details, you say, oh, well, I saved, you know, these $5 here. But then you willingly got that Coca-Cola maybe with the uh, dinner, the $200 dinner, maybe got it refilled a couple times, and maybe that cost you $9, right? Who knows? There's all sorts of these examples, but when it's a $200 dinner, that $9 doesn't look as bad when you are at the grocery store and maybe you don't have that much stuff in your cart maybe that five dollars adds up a little bit more so it's just it's all that comparison we also looked a little bit at the formula to calculate happiness right we said okay and this is the basis for this video we said okay the hours of fun i have divided by the cost times a fun factor that I put in, or a happiness factor, or whatever you wish to call it, is going to give me a base level understanding of ways that I can get rid of the pricing techniques, the anchoring and all of that, and I can actually factually look at every dollar being spent and kind of understanding the joy per buck, right? So I can say, okay, this was 30 hours worth of fun. It cost me $35 in total, and I got a joy factor of 10 from it, 12 from it. That can be pretty high on your fun factor over there. Right, And that can give you a lot of joy per buck when you do that calculation. You go, wow, that's pretty good. At the same time, something like maybe that dinner, that hour dinner for $200, all of a sudden is going to have to have a lot higher joy factor. And even if that joy factor is 20, 30, are you really getting that value there? For some people, it might be the case. They might say, you know what? That joy factor for me is so insanely high from that dinner. It's 400. 
it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. And cool. That's that's totally for them. If that's you, that's totally for you. I am all about spending money on the things that truly bring you a lot of that joy per buck, right? Truly give you a lot of that fun and that happiness. This is more about eliminating the things that don't and identifying them. I think that's the first big key right here. And using this formula, formula you can literally compare apples and oranges. You can also metaphorically compare them. But you could literally say, hmm, this apple cost me this much. I get this much enjoyment from it. And I get about this much time from it as well. This orange is this much. Which one provides me more joy? Now, it's important to note that your fun factor here is on your own scale. Right? This isn't some set thing where you come to Alex's scale, grow the buck up scale, and it says... Eating apple, two joy. Playing board game, ten joy, right? There's no scale out there that you can just go to and say, tell me what it is, because this is all personal preference. You might hate playing board games, and I love it. So we're going to have wildly different fun factors right there. For instance, a big one for me would be skiing, right? We talked about this in that last episode as well. I love to ski. Skiing is fantastic. I would give skiing probably like a 40 to 50 on my fun factor list. Something something crazy high up there compared to something else. Because when I sit down and really think about the joy and fun that I'm having eating that dinner, maybe that's a 6, 7 for me. Playing those board games, maybe that's a 10. Right? I think skiing is 5, 6, 7 times more. Yeah, I think that's about right. So you have to adjust those levels for yourself and you have to kind of figure out what seems to feel about right when you start looking at those joy per bucks when you start looking at those fun factors and comparing them to each other is this two times more fun than that is this 10 times more fun than this when you start doing those comparisons you can start to get a more accurate um, picture of of just what it looks like to you what all of that fun looks like So remember to set baselines for everything when you start calculating your cost, though. Such as, you need to eat food. How much more expensive is a $200 dinner over your base food expense? Maybe over the place that you normally go. Maybe it's $8. Maybe it's overcooking. You cook often, and so that's kind of your base level of food. And that's another number that's going to adjust a little bit for each person, right? What is the base it's going to cost for a place to live? Now, how about for that nicer place in, the, in your city, right? What is that difference there? That's kind of the fun, the, the additional joy factor that you're getting. And so you want to make sure that you're bringing into account the cost of these things because it's not... If you don't eat that expensive dinner, you still have to eat dinner, right? I guess you don't have to, but you still want to eat dinner in that spot. And so you'd want to kind of take that difference and recognize that as your cost difference. At the same time, it's very important to be aware of the law of diminishing returns here, which is simply think about the first time that you would drive a Ferrari. Now think about the hundredth time. 
you're probably getting more excitement and more joy in that first time than that hundredth time. Think about riding a roller coaster. First time I rode that giant roller coaster, whatever, so much excitement. If I keep riding it, keep riding it, it's still probably going to be fun, but it's going to slowly be less fun. I'm not going to be as excited. I, it's, a, I, it's not fresh to me anymore, right? I know what happens. I've been there. I've experienced it. Maybe if I take a year off and come back and ride it again, it's more fun again. So you have to kind of remember that there's not always an exact number that's always going to stick with, the, with an event. My skiing fun factor might be 40 to 50, but if I go on my 90th day of skiing in a year, I might say, all right, I'm kind of tired of it now. It's lost a lot of that fun factor for me, and so the joy per buck has gone down substantially. For some people, that's not the case, though, right? They say, oh, no, every day I'm out there is the best day of my life, and that's great once again. These are just things to always be aware of when you are doing these calculations, right? Is that new dress great one time, five times? Are you going to wear it 10 times? Or is it still exciting to you at that point? Give it a shelf life and use that for your calculation. Because we talked about the hedonic treadmill before, right? We said humans adapt. We come back to the center and things just kind of go on. Life continues. And so while you might get that quick burst, right? You get that new car. You, get, you go on that roller coaster. You go on that trip, whatever it is. It's great. If you're there and that becomes your new normal, then it becomes your new normal. And suddenly you fall right back into this new spot where... You're looking for further more in the future, right? You're looking for more beyond it. Right now, I could say, oh, my dream is to have 100 people listen to Grow the Buck Up. And you know what happens when 100 people listen to Grow the Buck Up? I go, awesome. 100 people are listening to Grow the Buck Up. Now, what if I had 500 people listening to Grow the Buck Up? And it's not that I'm, I wouldn't be satisfied with the number of people listening at 100 but rather that becomes the new normal to me, right? It was exciting in the moment, but I can't sit there and just be excited about that for the rest of my life because it's not fresh anymore, right? You're always, we're, we're looking forward. We're looking to the future. We're setting new goals. We do this financially. We do this in competitively, uh, right? If I'm trying to lift weights and I hit a new max, all right, I just benched 250. That's great. Now I want to start benching to the next spot because I got there, I achieved that goal and it was exciting for the time and we celebrated and then it became the normal. And now I bench 250 and I'm looking to bench 260, 270. And I don't actually bench 250 for those who are wondering. I was just picking numbers out of the year. I did 245 one time when I was in my peak shape. And that was awesome. Anyways, back on track. So that so the hedonic treadmill applies here as well. And you have to be aware of that. And you have to remember the, you know, diminishing returns from these experiences, right? 
allow yourself to adjust the scales. And something that can help is treating these things as treats, simply as that. You can say, okay, I love, you know, something that's really cool to me, it would be driving a luxury sports car. What if, instead of buying the luxury sports car and having that large cost and the number of hours of fun I think I'll get and then the number of hours of fun I think I'll actually get once diminishing returns set in and that becomes my new norm and everything versus the cost of that one-time rental fee. Maybe I rent it for a day, two days. And the amount of fun I think I would get in those two days with that car. Maybe I do a little comparison there and I can say, wow, when it's a treat to me, I get so much more fun out of it as opposed to when it's an everyday expense and an everyday um, just luxury that I have. That becomes my new normal, right? So starting to treat these things like treats can be a fantastic way to just simply adjust and and maybe make better decisions when it comes to these sorts of things and get more happiness out of stuff that you maybe wouldn't have thought of or, or you would have thought, I would always get happiness from this, right? The freshness of it when I, when I do it once a year, when it's just every couple months, if I go and watch an awesome movie, that's super fun. If I watch a movie every day, maybe I get tired of watching movies and it's not as much fun for me, right? So the treat aspect of it, I think is very important. So let's kind of jump back and do a small recap over this, right? And kind of break it down into actionable steps for you. So first off, let's just write down our expenses. Go through your expenses for the past week, the past month, the past year. Find those. And once again, from Budgeting 101, you should already have those. If you don't, it's okay. Go find those now. Always important to know where your money is going because if not, then you just have leaky faucets all over and you look at your accounts and go, wait, where'd my money go? I thought I had some in here. So go back and get these expenses and write them down. Now at this point, remove the 100% necessary expenses, but be aware of what you're actually removing. For instance, a car. Is the car necessary? What kind of car is necessary? Is there a difference in the car that you have versus a car that you could have? And then plot that difference, right? Maybe I have a $20,000 car and I could have a $10,000 car and it would do the same thing for me. It wouldn't really change my life. That extra $10,000 is my fun expense for that car. What about a house or an apartment? Could I rent somewhere cheaper? Am I getting something more with where I'm renting? And thus there's that cost difference between those or my housing cost. Even where I'm living can have an effect on all of that, right? If you live in San Francisco versus if you live in Kansas, you're going to have two very different cost of livings there. 
And there's got to be a little bit of that factor when you're considering what am I paying here? Is this expense really a necessary expense? Or is it somewhat necessary? Maybe I need to be here for my job, but I could, you know, have a roommate. I could be living in a different place that's cheaper, whatever it is. At the same time, you have things like health insurance and such, and those are ones that I would probably just go, yeah, I'm going to need health insurance. I'm going to pay for my health insurance, and I don't really get a choice in that matter. I get it through my work. I pay this amount, and that's fine, right? So remove those necessary expenses and kind of do some adjustments as you need on those. Then go through and apply your fun factor to each one of these expenses. And that might be a little tedious, which is why I say maybe do it for a week. Maybe do it for a month. Maybe do it for expenses you find a little bit more important. Whatever it is. But I can sit there and I can say, hmm, that Starbucks coffee that I got, that is a three for me. That board game that I bought, that's a 10 for me. That dinner that I went out to, that was a two actually for me. That trip vacation I took was a 19, right? And go through and apply these numbers to all of these expenses. And if you have obviously like a bunch of expenses together that you can, you know, maybe I pair the trip's hotel with the trip's flights with, you know, the trip's rental car or something. And I kind of call that trip. Um, Obviously, you can do some adjustments. Were there excursions while you were there? Maybe that's separate. Maybe you include it. Up to you. But apply that fun factor down the line. And then start to look and compare these things and say, is this really two times, three times, four times more fun than this? Yes or no. If it is, Maybe I need to make an adjustment, right? Maybe I got it perfect on the the first go-through. Congratulations. And once you've applied this factor, calculate your joy per buck. Simply go through and do the formula hours of fun divided by cost times fun factor. And then lastly, once you've done all of this, Review these numbers. Really think about these values. Are there certain things that bring you so much joy per buck? Are there daily or annual expenses that simply provide very little to no joy at all? Why? Right? I have them. Everybody has them. And it's one of those because I don't think about it in that way, right? I don't think a dollar equals a dollar all the time. I get stuck in comparing it to the cost of the stuff there or comparing it to the cost of the day or whatever it is. And I don't actually come back to it and say, oh, $1 equals $1. And the joy per buck here is 10 times more than the joy per buck over here. So why am I spending so much money over here and so little money on that 10 times joy? Now, for a side note, that's our little recap there. But for a side note, I think it's also important to really consider how much happiness these events give to others as well and factor that into your fun calculation. For instance, I might get little fun out of seeing a movie. But if my girlfriend 
gets a 40 in her fun factor for watching movies. It's one of her favorite things to do. You bet I'm going to factor that in. Because seeing her happier would be happier for me, right? So it's not always my fun factor in every case. Maybe it's that the experience that she is having or that if I take my family out to dinner and the wonderful experience that we all had and they love going out for dinner and it's fantastic, I bring that fun factor in as well and really start to consider that. And I think that's an important piece. Um, Don't just get extremely selfish with this. Selfish probably isn't the best word, but don't just think of your own fun factor in it. Think of the, the people around you because there really is a lot of value gained, a lot of joy gained by seeing others be happy, giving happiness to others. We love giving. A lot of people love giving. It's a wonderful thing. And you can get a lot back from that. So an important part of all of this, though, is that it makes you think, right? All of this calculation, all of, all of these joy per buck and the fun factors and all of this stuff, what is it doing? It's making you sit down with your money and it's changing how you see it. It's making you actually look at it and address it and learn about it and honestly take control of it. And this is what a majority of people don't do. They don't understand money. It makes them uncomfortable not knowing about money. And so they avoid it because they want to avoid stress. Now raise your hand if you've ever avoided acknowledging a situation hoping it would just go away. Could be an email, could be a text message, a fight with a friend, a teacher, money issue, debt, whatever it is. It's okay, whatever it is, it's natural. But while some of those situations might have parties that agree to just leave it, or emotions might eventually subside and then, you know, oh, we made up and we didn't even have to talk about it, whatever it is. Money problems don't just go away by ignoring them. In fact, they usually get worse, especially if it's a debt or a payment, right? So by taking the time to not only get up in your money's business, but to take control of it, spend time with it, learn about it, form a relation with relationship with it all of this you're doing so in the end you're not going to be uncomfortable when you're looking at money when you're handling it in tough situations and once you've started doing that you'll be able to start using money towards things that matter to you more you can calculate your joy per buck you can identify wasteful spending and hopefully it will start to get you more excited to see other ways that you can optimize your life and especially optimize it in the ways of handling your money and using that money for bettering it, right? If you're constantly scared of it, it just is going to put you in in tough situations. If you turn, just turn away and don't look any time that there's a financial difficulty as so many people do, so many people that I know just don't even want to think about it. 
then you're never going to be able to develop these skills. You're never going to be able to start actually looking at what matters. What is what can you do with your money to actually improve your life and to ultimately gain more freedom. And this is where I introduce a bit more of the idea and the inspiration behind financial independence, which is one of my favorite things, something I've talked about a little bit before. I will talk about plenty more in the future, and we will talk about right now. For me, money is not happiness. Rather, money is time and money is freedom. Financial independence is simply giving time a fun rating as well, right? That fun factor that we have at the end of our calculation, I'm giving it now to time by myself. Time off, time not working. And so it's a little bit different how you think about it if you're using the calculator, right? But you kind of have to reverse the calculation a little bit. And let's say, how fun is time at work? How long do you spend there? Let's take a look. Let's take a step back and and look at the life of a typical American. From zero to five, those are your early years. You probably don't remember much, if not a couple memories from that. From five to 22 is your education, if you're going through college. On a normal, once again, this is typical American. From 22 to 65 is your career, or I believe the average is a little under that, like 63, 64. And then from 63, 64 beyond is your retirement years. The average life expectancy of men is about 76 to 77, and I think women are around 81. So you're getting about 10 to 15 years there in that retirement range. And about 40 years, maybe a little more, in that career range. If we break that down into hours, that's 40 hours a week times 52 weeks a year times 43 years is 89,440 hours. And then if you take away some vacation and holiday hours and whatnot that you get back, Let's just round it to about 80,000 hours spent working. Now let's go back to the chart and let's do some calculations using time instead for our values. And it might get a little wonky because it's not a perfect formula that's built to show all of this exactly, right? But let's just go through it. Say I want to retire 20,000 hours early or about 10 years early. Let's assume I make $25 an hour. And so let's say $25 an hour times 20,000 hours is $500,000. And then of course you could say with taxes, let's say it's about $390,000 right there, right? I can take 20,000 divided by 390,000. That would be the expense, the price that I am paying in that case. And maybe you could say, oh, well, I'll make a little more then. So, you know, once again, this is just a rough basis, right? And that equals 0.05. And then I can multiply my fun factor. What is my fun factor of 
not working for an hour. Is it 20? If it's 20, I get one joy per buck. If it's 40, I get two joy per buck, right? What is that factor? Maybe for you, it's 100. Maybe it's 10. Maybe you really enjoy working. So what if that value is higher? How high do you value not working here? And like I said, this is kind of a base rough approximation, but you can start to see the value of this and you can start to see the value of other things as well because now you have a joy per buck value that you have for not working and thus you can see what is it that working is providing, right? Do I want to work for that ski trip? Well, is my ski trip joy per buck higher than my working joy per buck? I probably do then. That's probably worth it for me. Do I want to work for that steak dinner? Is it below it? 0.25? Yeah, no, that's way below my joy per buck. Okay, I probably would rather not do that as much because I get more joy per buck out of simply having that time not working in the future. Now, at this point, you can start getting away from the formula, right? And getting more into the bigger picture details. What joy does this time bring me? If I save this money, I get more time. If I invest this money, it'll be worth even more in the future, thus bringing me back even more time. Remember, compound interest is man's true best friend. And even if I don't want to stop working, do I want to work on something else? Is that hour of my time being spent working on something that I absolutely love worth more than what I'm currently working in right now? What future activities do I want in my life and what's their joy per buck? For me, that ski trip is worth it and I want to have that ski trip in my future and so I say I want to make sure that I work and continue with having those ski trips. And maybe I also want to golf in the future and I can sit down and draw that out, get my fun factor, figure out my joy per buck for that. And I can say, okay, this is kind of where I need to start saving towards a little bit, right? Because the joy per buck is pretty high for that. And that's worth it to me to sacrifice a little bit of the time right now so I can have that in the future. There's so many questions and realizations and all sorts of things to be had right now when you start looking at money a little differently, right? And hopefully this podcast and this episode kicks off some of those questions. And we can dive more into financial independence in the next episode. And then I can show you the simple math of how most people actually have a chance to get there. It's one of those things where a lot of people say, oh, well, I don't make $200,000 a year, so I'm just going to have to work until I'm 65. And it's not true. It is, the math is, is plain as day. And if you just sit down and spend a little bit of time and start to really figure out wh what you value, how much you value your time, how much you value certain activities, how much you value material possessions, a new car, a new dress, a new purse, whatever it is, and start to weigh these and factor these, you can sit there and go, hmm, maybe if I adjust my lifestyle a little bit, I can actually work towards that life that I want a lot more.
So the challenge for this week, as I already mentioned, midway through the podcast, is to calculate your daily, weekly, monthly, yearly expenses, whatever it is, and give them joy per buck values. Then I want you to review those values and identify places in your life that you can make changes. And tell me, what's one of those places that you might say, I am spending way too much money over here for very little joy per buck? And what's one way that you can change it? So I would love to hear from you guys on that. Um, feel free to leave comments, anything like that. And I will read them and try to reply. But tune in next week, everybody, for our episode Financial Independence 101. This is going to be taking this week, the end of this week, I should say, and uh, just furthermore diving into it, diving into this concept and diving into simply the control of your life that can be gained by having this financial control, right? This independence. As always, you can find these podcasts live on Twitch, on my YouTube at youtube.com slash growthebuckup, or on any of the popular podcast feeds, and then, of course, on my own site, growthebuckup.com. That's all I have for now. Thank you for listening. Now it's time to grow the bucket. Thank you.